Twenty years have passed since a tragic fire at an illegal rave killed over a hundred people outside Austin, Texas. But is that all that happened on the night in question? Experience the horror of Vampire the Masquerade like never before. Jackalope LARP and White Wolf present a blockbuster LARP horror event. The Night in Question, November 17th, 2018, Austin, Texas. Jackalope-LARP.com for tickets and information. Where will you be on the Night in Question? This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. That's probably the least chatter we've ever had before starting a podcast. We're just like right into it. Good deal. Holy bejeebus. All right, so, Bob, it's been a week since we've sat down and recorded one of these lovely podcasts for the the folks that are listening. Uh, How come we weren't here last week? Do you mean Gen Con? I do, yeah. So if you follow us on any social media at all, you probably already know that. But, um, yeah, so I figured before we get right into the podcast, because... Um, I gotta, I, I feel like I have to state this before we do the review there. We may not be able to stretch this into an hour long review. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's accurate. We will try. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll try. Gi- we'll give it its, it's just desserts, but, um, I just wanted to know, we both did a lot of vampire related stuff and people that listen to our podcast are typically interested in the subject. Um, I don't, we didn't talk about this beforehand cause we, we recorded all of our stuff, but, um, you know, we did a nerd words and that will be up round about the same time as this will for a detailed, um, talk about our Gen Con experience, but anything like vampire related that you experienced or did this week that you think is a cool thing you want to share with our listeners, Bob? What's, what's weird is that we did a lot of Q and a, I mean, so much that I feel that we, you know, we might as well be considered white wolf marketing or not. <laughs> no, I want to stress that, but it's <clears throat> that that's basically what I did. There was a lot of uh, discussions about V5 I got into, which in my opinion, this, that was cool. Right. You know, the ability to say, Hey, you know, we read the material. It's okay. Don't, don't panic. It's, it's good mm-hmm. stuff. Give right. it a shot. And then to be able to directly watch that, because, you know, we said thumbs up, they go right to the bazaar to get the book. Right. I I think I I had a similar experience. I mean, for me, like we did the review, right? We talked about it for three hours and we put it on the internet for all to hear for all time. That's just a fact. And so because I enjoyed it and I did the review, like anytime I had the opportunity to talk to someone, like if they, you know, I had the book in my hand, I'm, I'm reading through it. Like I love to have a physical book in my hand and people are like, Hey, what'd you think? And I'm like, well, funny, you should ask. Um, here's what I think. And you know, we got to play the game at Gen Con and we had a fairly enjoyable time. Can you, oh, yeah. uh, can you share with our listeners real quick, the character that you got to play at Gen Con, uh, in the V5 game? Just, I, just a taste, right? Just we'll, we'll call this a teaser for nerd words. Well, what I'll tell you is that I got a, I got a character, a Malkavian and it did start there. Originally I grabbed the, I believe it was the Tremere. Mm-hmm. Is what I had, and then I was looking at that for a minute, and then he brought up more characters, which is more options. And I saw Malk, and I was like, "Yes," because I never play them, right? Yeah, right, right. I was like, 
new game, new system, try me. And I flipped it over, and off the bat, it had the derangement. You know, or no, not even derangement. It was addiction, homicide. <laughs> Which, right? <laughs> it seems like it could be problematic for a four-hour con game, but I'm I'm following along. <laughs> I just remember looking to my left and my right, and Mike was just like, "Hell no, hell no! Why do you get that?" I was like, "Hey, hey, right? It's dibs. It was called. Maybe, maybe it's not all homicide. It's like." cake homicide or something i don't know homicide suicide and genocide you're like doing flips off the ropes or something but no that's not what you were doing not at all um i find that the character was i like how they built it Mm -hmm. uh, because the stats you were given were not ideal right for for someone like someone typically would make sure they could handle any physical altercation you know and you know if i have that addiction to homicide there's many ways i did it it was actually cerebral Mm -hmm. on a lot of it but that was his human side. And V5 makes it to where your vampiric side can be very different. Right. And because of that, that's that's how I stacked it. And the play was smooth, silky smooth. Right. With how it went out through it. But it just made me feel creepier because I could be creepier. Right. Like, right. like I had more time to be in this sheet. Well, and that's that was the that's one good. thing that I really liked about playing the game at Gen Con and getting to experience uh, a storyteller who had a little bit more experience. You know, like we've read the book, but everybody who's ever ran a game knows it requires more than just reading the book once to to digest it, to actually be able to turn around and run it. Like when when we started gaming, I started with D and D, and one it's it's kudos to anybody that can read a Dungeons and Dragons book all the way through and like digest it enough to run a game. I'm not that guy. I don't know if you (laughs) are, Bob, but I'm not like. I can I can make a character and I can know enough to play what I make, right? But like to actually run the world takes a little bit more. It takes a little bit more reading and practicing and, and understanding. And honestly, for me, it takes a decent amount of time to fuck up. Now, we've been pretty blessed because first ed, second ed, third ed, and fourth, we're, we're all basically the same with some small changes, right? You usually right. find out about those when players go, no, no, this changed. Because again, they know their power. They know their discipline because they've read it, but this is new rules. It's not just a revision. It's new rules. It's a, it's a, it's a new addition. It's a fully reimagined, uh, you know, set of rules. And a lot of them were like, oh yeah, those sound really good, but you don't really know until you get to play and watching you play and watching you sort of like throw the storyteller into things and, and his ability to very quickly understand them. I don't know if our experience was indicative of everybody else because I heard some things, but you know, I I had a great time watching you. I played the Ventru, So I basically sat in the car, (laughs) but you're the Ventru mob boss. So I Mm want to say, nuances even in in what i call the uh sidekick role right and not to be insulting sidekicks are some of the baddest ass roles there are in comics right but they're the people that keep that guy going right right so when i walked to that police station and i had blood caked on the inside of my clothes but not on the outside it just sat down in the car you were like okay so we stop at the car wash noted right, right. are we good where's the other guy <laughs> i was dying it's like you didn't even ask it's like all right Right, we have ourselves right. a bona fide enabler. Good. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. The problem with any Gen Con game is, um, at least in my experience, when you sit down at the table with five or six other people, we got lucky because all of our friends played at the same table. But typically, 
you get through the story and you're like, all right, I want to keep playing. You know, I, like I think that's an art to be able to run a game that takes only four hours and also is fun. It's not like shoehorning you into a plot. Um, but for me as a player, you know, if I go away from that table going, I want to play more. I want to get, I want to go back and play the venture. I want to know, you know, what it's going to be like when he interacts with his family. You know, he's, he's a cleaver. I want to know what it's like to feed on the people that I love and sort of like walk a fine line between, you know, life and death, you know, cause you're a vampire. You, you get all these experiences. And also I want to know where the hell your character ends up on the spectrum and the goddamn Gangrel who committed Diablery. You know, right, right. Because if it's a four-hour game, you got to commit Diablery, right? <laughs> that that I think that shocked everybody. But like I said, um, me, you, and Rachel were evil with that. Yeah, we not one person said maybe you shouldn't. Right? Don't. Uh, well, except for Nick, who <laughs> was right. hitting him on I'm the gonna back. Beat him. I'm gonna beat him with a pipe. Right. I'm gonna hit him with a pipe. I'm gonna make him Please stop. Don't. Yeah. No, that was uh, it was a lot of fun. But overall, Gen Con, um. I I feel like overall this Gen Con, even though it was a lot busier and we did a lot more work, we got to meet really cool people at our meetup. We got to yep. meet listeners, people who are dedicated to our podcasts, you know, people showing up in utility muffin t-shirts. And it was just like, uh, for me, that alone made it like the best Gen Con I've been to yet. I agree. Because it wasn't just like they were there to be at a game or, you know, to win a book. Like they were there because they like this podcast and I was like, cool. You know, I feel like I made friends for life. That's kind of common. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's true though. I mean, these, well, here's the thing that I kept hearing. It was like, you know, we have a hobby and we kind of felt that we were the only people who cared this much about it. Right. You know? And I wonder if, you know, the people who made the game even know that. Right. You know, it sort of feels like they assume that this is just mass media that they create throughout. And if it's Biden, great. If not, great. Right. But I think they're missing the connections. Well, that people make through it to build those relationships. Yeah. I, I think uh, maybe after Gen Con and like seeing how frazzled they were, I don't know how much time you got to spend in the bizarre area, but like you could see these people like they were running back and forth and answering questions and, you know, um, just like constantly doing interviews and it was just like, it was good to see, it was good to see that that company, both white wolf and onyx path are there because, you know, the granted it was a while ago, but when last I went to Gen Con white wolf was a spinning rack of books at the drive through RPG, st- uh, uh, stand. And so it was like, you know, even after V20 came out for me, it was kind of like, um, well, you know, maybe this is just like a kaput hobby, you know, maybe it's just right. like, it's not happening anymore, but it's good to see that white wolf as a company and Onyx path were right next to each other. And like all the really awesome looking books that I couldn't afford, but totally wanted, you know, I just, it was, it was cool. It was cool to see for once. Full admins. I didn't get to touch that bizarre. Yeah. I think I went, I think I went through it once. And that was <laughs> that was the loot of the LARP way to be at. Yeah. Because this was the year of events with our buddy Chris. Yeah. And uh that guy, the guy was intense. You know, I even missed an event that I was I regretted. Uh but which one did you miss? The miss, Conan? And, yeah, of course. It was the one I wanted the most, yeah. is the one I is the one I missed. But everybody everybody I ran into, like it was weird. You cursed me. You said there'd be people who'd recognize your voice. 
Right. But I was like, oh, they'll recognize your voice, but not nah, like, I mean, you're the, you're the voice guy. That's the point. Yeah. Until it happened to me like three or four times walking around, mm-hmm. talking to Dominic. And it was like going, Hey, I know you. And I saw Nate. And I was like going, <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Hi. And, hey. Right. And then the hug that I didn't think I'd get. Right. It's like, cause I mean, I'm walking around sweaty as shit, right? Cause it's just hot. Right. It's muggy. AC was broken in parts of the building and whatnot where you're going through. I'm stopping for water just because the the desert heat that shouldn't be here is there. Mm-hmm. And and people are like, oh, hey, oh, man, I thought this is gone. This is a big part of my life. And you brought it back to me. And I was like, man, I, I, I'm i glad, you know, cool. Yeah. You know, and they, it was quick. Yeah, They're like, cool. I know you're super busy. And I'm like, I don't think it's that. I think survival is what I'm trying to accomplish <laughs> right now. But if I could just get to that water, well, <laughs> you got some time. You know, it right. was good. Yeah, uh, for me, you know, it was just like, um, just walking around and, and getting to chat with people. And, um, you know, I, I had Rachel with me and she's, she's very, um, she's definitely not an introvert, you know, we'll just put it that way. So it's like, um, it's, it's cool to, you know, just see all the people and, and, and like just all the walking, like, you know, when I've gone to Gen Con before I was a smoker, right? And we basically, we would go to the LARP and that's it. And this, this year it was like everywhere, just being everywhere. So anyways, we go on and on for like an hour and 15 minutes on our NerdWords podcast. That will be up round about the same time as this one. So I don't want to spend too much time like rehashing what we've already talked about in a different podcast. However, I do want to get into some of the, uh, you know, the, the standard type of stuff. So I've, uh, I've thrown this out there. Um, I thought it would be kind of a cool idea if people want to give shout outs to like their local game, their LARP, um, you know, just once a week, um, well, obviously we only do the podcast once a week, but like at the end of the podcast, you know, maybe just given like, Hey, check out this LARP. If you're in such and such town, um, you know, not to assume affiliation cause we don't, you know, we're, we don't belong to any LARP community. Um, but just, it'd be a cool thing for people who are like looking for games you know, so I was just going to run it past you here before I edit it out. If you say no. <laughs> right. I think it's a good idea. Provided those uh, storytellers contact us. Yeah. Right. I like, I want to, I'm going to stress this. I think that the storyteller should be the one doing the effort to promote their own game. Right. right. And if they're relying on a, on like a girlfriend or who doesn't even really play a game, but she'll do it for him or her. Right. Or you're relying on your, your players to do it. Eh, that's that's not what I want. I want to make a connection where that community can feel that we know about the game. Oh, because yeah. if you're going to contact us, yeah. we want to know about your game so we could mention it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent for sure. And I mean, with the with the amount of like different traveling that we've had to do, um, you know, and like I'm finding out that with like the one uh, one world by night, like there's games all over the place, right? But I'm with you. Like I feel like if you are a storyteller and you run a game and you want us to mention it. I have no problem doing that. I'm totally cool with doing that. We just want to make sure, like, it's cool if your players support you, but we want to know, like, what type of game it is, what days your game is being ran, how we can contact you. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily, if you belong to an organization and there's a person whose role it is 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 to do that, have them reach out to us. But I want to do, you know, one or two a week, just so I, I think the goal for us is we love this game. And we want to review these books and give you the information that you need to better arm yourself to play it, right? And so if there are games out there and they're in your area and you don't know about it or they're close enough for you to drive, like, why shouldn't we give them a promotion? 
And it's so odd. How many times have you been on the internet to try to find a game, but someone didn't know how to build the page correctly or didn't invest the time or they half-assed did it? Right. But, but they say it's done and you go to do it and it's disheartening. You know, you're wondering why your game doesn't get past 15 people and they're right. hit or miss is right. because the you don't know the amount of strangers you're missing because right. they don't have full detail. Right. So I, I would say if you guys are interested in promoting your game, there's a couple of things that you need to do. One, you need to be affiliated with a game in a, an official capacity, a storyteller or some sort of like um, organizer. Um, reach out to us. Let us know what city you're in. Let us know what kind of game it is. And is it doesn't have to be necessarily a straight vampire game. You know, if you run like a werewolf game and it's, uh, you know, By Night Studios or you run a Vampire the Masquerade uh, Dark Ages game, but it's, uh, um, you know, classic Mind's Eye Theater you know, let us know that information. Let us know where you meet. Let us know the time. You know, give us the information and we'll be happy to push that out there for you. If for no other reason than to get other people to go and check it out, you know, put people together to enjoy the We hobby. just asked that there's no true bruja. That's the, <laughs> that's the idea. Unless it's Maybe like, that's uh, just me. Unless it's like, unless you're running like a true black hand game, I would go to a true black hand game just to see what kind of craziness I'm going to encounter. <laughs> I, I'd do it. <laughs> You know, every once in a while, I think it's okay to just, like, let your hair down and just, like, you know, throw some rock, paper, scissors and use some ridiculous powers. It's not bad. Um, But we're not here to judge your game. We're just here to get the word out. And I would say, like, even if you have a tabletop game, right? Like, you're in in Michigan. You're in Rapid City, Michigan. I don't even know if that's a place. Um, But, uh, like, you, you, you need another player. And you've got a game store that you play at. Let us know. We'll we'll promote it for you. Yep. Before we get into the review, I just want to thank some of our patrons, uh, some of the new ones that have jumped on um, this uh, most recent month. Uh, Kevin Parker, thank you for your contribution. Uh, Marcel Fontenez, Sam Damon, who you and I both know from the way, way, way back machine. Uh, Mr. Rustovich. Thank you. Also a person that we know, although, you know, uh, podcast by night. Um, I actually support them on Patreon. They support us on Patreon. So it's like Sweet. a cool little, little thing. And then Joe Swick, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. Thank you guys. Um, if we missed you and we didn't announce you, please let us know. So anyways, uh, Bob, this being a podcast and, um, you know, there's a theme, there's a review that we do, but they don't always, you know, iron out you know, right away, we're just going to open the book and do the review because we like to talk. Let's get into what this book is. We are reviewing this uh, Succubus Club, Dead Man's Party. Now, I want to get in off the bat. We said this wasn't going to be very long because if you've LARPed at all, these the stuff in this book that we're about to touch on, you know. You've had to live through. You've had to go through the stress of using. and Because this book is all about kindred society, even across sect. Right. And it's about how that looks like. What is the importance that one vampire has to socialize with another inside one locale? And for a lot of you, this is going to blow your mind. This book was made for you. However, if you already been through it and you already know a thing or two about it, you're going to get this book and wonder, ah, geez, like what? I mean, no, no duh. Right. This, this has been there in the other books. You just condensed it in one. All right. But I need you to understand something. That's sort of a thing they've been doing. Right. right, is taking the old material that's good, bringing it forward and putting it in one convenient spot, right. so you didn't have to have ninety books to give you to give you a source book about this specific topic, and and um, specifically, I, I it had been a long time since I'd even opened this book, and I was like, 
I, you know, if you go back to like first, second, third podcast, uh, we talk about the original succubus club and I was kind of like, uh, don't really care. Right. And so I was kind of dismissive of this book and I remembered it in my head from, you know, 15 years ago, it just being a book about this traveling party. And it's only partially about that. It's about the event as a whole, right? It's about the Camarilla, the Sabbat, and even like the Anarchs and what an event is throwing a party or a gathering or a get together within the confines of that sect or alternatively within the confines of your clan, right? Like what does it entail? And it answers two big questions in a lot of people's mind. When people get to be the harpy or they see the harpy or the keeper and they're nominated to it, they don't know what the hell that means. Right. They just don't. You read you read some passages in the Camarilla Guide, which which I feel are detailed enough to have enough to go on, but they don't give you that basis of like this is what they do. And this book answers that. It tells you exactly what a keeper does and exactly what a harpy does and why a harpy is so dangerous and why a keeper and harpy working together can be devastating socially, um, even to a prince. Right. And those secrets are in this book. And that's that's pretty cool. Now, don't think it's covered cover to cover about it, but it still gives you those those page, page and a half of what to do to get those chops under you. Right. And it all surrounds what? It surrounds the fact that when, when a group of kinds are in a city, you're a group of predators. Right. And a group of predators who have no reason to be social will kill each other to have one predator on top so they have all the blood they could ever have that, or food source. That's just how it is. However, kindred are also human. They have that human memory to them. Right. And they're trying to stop the inevitable side to be what they are. So they go to these places to, to emulate what they knew would generate a sense of camaraderie, maybe acquaintance base to where I don't want to just kill you right. because you're too young or, or I don't hate you because you're an elder. Maybe there's a reason and offer those social chances, but that's also a layer, right? Right. So that layer is there to also do what? Well, now that you understand why we're gathered now, here's the real reason we're gathered, you know? And one of the coolest things they depict in there is the fact that to the, to the elders, it's a duel right. whenever you go to Elysium. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. And it's because what you say can damage someone socially. It can ruin what they do. It could chop the legs right out from under them. And when that happens, you know, most people will do the the usual, right? Oh, whatever, that guy's a jerk, and they'll walk off. But think about what they actually did. When you're bested in a social encounter, in a social engagement, a battle of words, what really happens is they demoralize you and throw you off your game, off your focus, and they've won. They've right. won for the night. Even if out of game, you feel like you have to leave or that you feel you were shit on or that you're somehow ruined. That's what they did. That's what they successfully did to you. And I would say take a break whenever that happens, of course, and realize it's just a game if you need to, if you're that heated. But instead, focus on what this book's going to tell you what happened. Because right. I feel when you know what happened to you, the better you are and, and not being affected by it next time it does. Right. Absolutely. So, so it gives you that understanding and, and I think it, it, it further, uh, it further pounds home, right. It hammers that nail home that, uh, th the social engagement, the activities of Elysium, the, the sort of elder conversations, th there's not a lot of place for a neonate. There's not a lot of play. And, and, and it, I, I think that this is going to be especially helpful for people that, um, you know, if you're just now 
getting into V5. Like you you don't know Vampire, you're very out of date. You know, you you haven't played it in a long time. V5 doesn't really get into any of that stuff, right? They're not working on the social aspects of like court and and Elysium and and all that. So if you're brand new to this game, this is a book that could be monumentally helpful for you because it can it can iron out things that you weren't aware of, but also it can it can help to drive home some of the original themes. And now the themes in V5, as far as like courtly life and, and Elysium, they may not be the same as they were in Revised, right? Because the world is different today than it was, you know, in 2003. Um, but you can at least see where a lot of this stuff has come from. And I think that that is really good. But I want to really just emphasize what Bob said. And, you know, feel free to jump in. But if you've ever LARPed, ever, this book is essentially it is giving you the tabletop instructions for what's already natural for you at a LARP because like for sure we know anybody that's gone to a live action game it's it's if you're Camarilla it's an Elysium night it's it's some sort of courtly meeting right the prince has summoned everyone for whatever for some sort of uh, event if you're Sabat it's an S-bot. It's a, you know, or, you know, maybe if you're an anarch, it's a Bruja rant. It's, you know, it's any of those things. But essentially, you need a reason to interact at a LARP. And that's what these things are. Whether whether it's a gangrel game and it's a thing or whatever, this is going to kind of give you some ideas of those things. Like, you know, and when you play in a large LARP, you tend to like break out with your clans anyways. So you might have an impromptu hosting with the other Nosferatu and you may not even know that that's what it's called, you know, right. and, and this may help you to get that, you know, to, to be able to logically understand what it is that you're, that you're doing. Right. And, so and, and let's take, let's make sure we, we hammer this home too. Uh, Cause to drive home the importance of this book, and I do, I do mean importance for a lot of people. We often get asked about the nuance. How do you know, how to role play the way you do on an Elysium with elders. What's your drive to get like, why, why would I be there? And you got to understand something. The elders are there gauging you. The elders are already playing the game as it's called. They're there socializing, being polite, talking back and forth. But one of the things they're doing the most right there that as they're socializing is they're actually competing. They're big on talking words within words, meaning what they say is not what they mean. And to the person that they're saying it to, that person gets what they're trying to say, and they have a secret conversation right in front of you. Because on Elysium, you can't openly talk politics or plans, but you can discuss the weather. Right. You can discuss this Roman architecture and do whatever. And to anyone else listening, and it's usually a neonate, completely lost. Right. I have no idea what this guy's talking about. Yet the people involved in the discussion, they could be getting angry about talking about the deterioration of Caesar near his, uh, near his end and how it was Brutus. Who, who conspired to have him dealt with, you know, as it's written. And that's that's what happens. And one should be careful that that doesn't happen, right? right? I mean, that's the lesson it teaches. But we're standing in front of the Julius Caesar, whatever monument that's there. And to the neonate, all right, cool story, bro. That's fine. <laughs> However, you don't know, you don't know that the guy talking is trying to couch some, talk somebody off the ledge from conspiring to kill the prince. Right. Right, you know, that you're not Brutus. This is not Julius Caesar. Won't go the way you think. And that's a weak form of double speak. Right. Right. A cooler version I like is that Anarchs have a version where they talk they talk about in the book where every year they get together since the nineteen seventy seven, they meet at this guy, I believe it's Cal was his name. They meet at his house to discuss uh celluloid um cinema. 
you know, the latest and greatest and what's unique. And they always make sure to have a star actor from whatever films they're going to talk about. So you can meet the actor and talk and he's in the room. Meanwhile, the anarchists that show up are discussing through discussing cinema, Mm -hmm. what they're going to do next, what the big anarch plan is in that area to move the movement forward that they have their own movement. Right. And they've been doing it for decades. Really cool way to do it. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Sabat just so we get all three in there. The Sabat, a pack, it's no nothing new. Pack will just talk about what they got to talk about. You got to worry when you go in front of a bishop, right, or higher. And when they invite you over to have a meal to talk about plans, they may ask you to go sack this guy's house or to kill this elder, maybe, right. But what if it's against other Sabat? That's when you'll see that same word head game get played out, and they're showing you a life of uh, opulence to kind of kind of wordlessly tell you this can be yours. I'm bribing your pack to see that this is done. And you're free to tell him where to go right at the end of that, but you're a fool to bring it up right there at the party where they could flip the audience around and say, how dare you accuse me right. in front of everyone? Because well, nobody nobody wants to be challenged to a duel. Yeah, and I think that that's like one of the biggest misnomers or maybe like one of the biggest points of contention between like Camarilla players and Sabat players or just people who only have like a cursory understanding of the Sabat the Sabbat are just as political as the Camarilla is, right? They don't they don't necessarily have like that that Elysium rule and law, but they they got rules and laws too, right? And they definitely have to maneuver. Once you get above street level, you're gonna have these political. Me- it's impossible not to, you know. You have old immortal vampires vying for power and position and political. You know, it's it's just. Uh, I, I think that it's probably often overlooked that the Sabbat are anything but just like, we're going to get together and stand around the burning barrel. You know, there's definitely more nuance to that. And this gives you some information and some ideas on how to pursue that and how, how to implement that into your game, how to take your game from just like, you know, the old abandoned parking lot in Detroit to an actual Sabbat scenario where you're doing right. A you're having, you know, dozens of Sabat members together and they're playing their own game of politics. So that's like the first two chapters, right? Right. And then the third chapter talks about this sort of example pop-up nightclub, right? The, the succubus club. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, the, the succubus club pop-up theme is to give you an idea of why the neonates would care to go how it would look in your area, how a storyteller might run the succubus club as a cool place to meet. That's an alternative to the approved Elysiums by the Prince. Right. And it talks about it being done in one night. Right. And it's all the prep work that's involved. So they paint a backdrop of, of realism. Somebody has to know this club so well that they can contain the knowledge of it coming to town long enough so that when they get there, it gets everybody gathered to show up to a rave basically, because that's more or less what it is. It's a pop-up party that they don't necessarily have permission for and how to run it. But what's the purpose of doing that? Well, one of the big ones that they drop, like it's a big bomb to say, is that's a perfect opportunity for a prince to meet an archbishop. Right. They want to meet in secret. They're going to wear them street clothes. They're going to fit in. They're going to blend in and meet in like a back corner right quick and have a chat and then fade. Right. Right. But they worked it out through the club owner to do it. And maybe they don't even know what each other looks like, but they know they're going to be an emissary or someone from court to talk to the other guy right. and play that game. And as long as they agree to the terms, they agree to the rules, they could do that in the club 
and then pay that owner a sum of money to say nothing about it. Right. And it's a great source of income for that club. Also gives an alternative means to meet other than saying, because the typical usage of any club, any Elysium is, let's all go there and just chat and do nothing. Right. And, you know, they're like, oh, it's boring to socialize. Is it? Because I feel it's very, very interesting. Well, it's, it's, I think it's like a major aspect of this game. It's incredibly necessary. I mean, as a storyteller, what better way to give clues about your story or give direction to your players without hammering them than to have a nightclub where anybody could be, right? For sure, for sure. Or to have a player who uh, who's in there with another player mm-hmm. and, and just want to socialize with someone. You know, you're trying to build a friend, maybe a member of the coterie, what have you. But then as you're talking to them, you realize this person isn't as you thought they were. Right. But you're not going to find that out. Ask him directly. So you got to get him to talk. Right. Right. You got to socialize. So what do you talk about? Well, I don't want to be in Lisa and to talk about the same Roman structure because for some reason I made a guy really angry. <laughs> right. I don't even know what that was about. <laughs> right. I won't do that. Right. I told him the statue was deteriorating from pollution and they <laughs> fucking threw me out. I I didn't lie. <laughs> but the reverse of it is I could be in this club going, oh, man, did you see what happened to Vespucci? You know, the local DJ, man, that was that was rank how they went down. Right. Yeah, rank. Interesting. So you're actually not that old. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, it was really rank. Uh, what's the other term? You know, it gives you to gauge the age of the person you're talking to, the what they're into, not into, how to take them. There's, It's a way to understand who you're dealing with. Right. It's also a great way to role play your character. Well, yeah, that's one of the things that you'll find a lot of times when you're sitting at a table and, you know, you're setting the scene as a storyteller for your nightclub or whatever, and you throw on a little bit of music in the background. So it's like you, you hear it, you start to get that ambiance, and then your players start to role play. And then suddenly as a storyteller, you turn into a LARP storyteller where you just like sort of back out of the scene. And if somebody needs to come up, that's when you start to engage, but you get to literally just step back and watch your game unfold in this moment. And, and all of your players, you know, before you know it, an hour has gone by and the players are like, Oh yeah, uh, wait, we were looking for somebody. And you're like, yes, yes, you were, but I didn't want to interrupt the flow of your role play. Right. Cause that's, that's the key to any storytelling game. You want to engage your players to such a degree that it's like they forget that they're playing a game. And now suddenly Always. they're just role-playing their characters and they're trying to think of concepts and, and answer questions, not from their perspective, but from that perspective of the person they made up, from the vampire that they made up or, and or when you're, whatever. And, and when you are that person, that player who reads this book, you're going to have a ton of aha moments. Like there's some storytellers who just can't explain why you were, you were kicked out of Elysium. Or why that happened. You're like, well, what's the big deal? Well, I keep mentioning Elysium because that's when you're most. That's the sect that's going to use the, this book the most is the Camarilla. Because that is the the college of excellence that you got to graduate when knowing how to use these social social duels. They have a term for it. I forgot it, but it's in the book. But it's a social duel is what it is. And just in case you're wondering, if you wanted rules for what goes on and who wins and how it's done. The appendix has that in this book, a sample rules and additional rolling you can do. I personally feel it's exhausting to look at the rolling for it, to know who would, who would win and who wouldn't. Cause you would know that right as a storyteller, a veteran storyteller, even just a good one from a different game, looking at the rule set, you have an idea that if, if someone's going to try to match wits with the harpy, the harpy odds are is going to be stacked 
with the right etiquette and the high enough wits to win that engagement. But that's the skill set. But if that person wants to try, let the dice fall where they may and see what goes on with it. And they have rules for that. Right. Now, what does it do? Well, it forces role play. And a player has to understand that. You know, it talks about posturing, you know, first that's the first stage. It's how how we get to know each other. That's like if we're all on the Elysium and someone makes a disparaging remark and the harpy catches it, we've now begun the posturing. The harpy has to get the look, the nuance, the walk to come over to approach you. You have to seem in, in, in you know dignified or what have you, whatever your character's trying to show as you meet to then have the exchange of words. Maybe everybody can hear it. Maybe it's only between you two, but everybody is looking. And that's the point of making it a die roll because pass or fail, something occurs that people know went on. Right. And it can mean anything. And, you know, quite frankly, some people that sit down at a table and play a role-playing game, they just, you know, they can't figure out how to go about doing this in a role-play sense. I think that in a lot of ways, we've been very blessed because we have LARPed for a lot of years. And a lot of the people that we play tabletop with, they've LARPed for a lot of years too. So these are skills that they've developed in like the fires of LARPing, right? LARPing is in, in, in a lot of LARPs, it's very unforgiving. And we've talked about this on other podcasts, but a lot of times like you walk in and there are players that are playing elder characters or, you know, up and comers. And they are social savages, right? Because they've yep. been doing it for so long. And sometimes it's your game. Your, your players just aren't, right? And for some of them, it's very hard to get into that. And that's what, you know, the rules in this appendix are great for is to help them to, you know, kind of give them uh, that ladder to climb up, uh, to give them a framework of, of how you go about this social interact and uh, interactions and, and like the, the social duels and battles. And I should explain the social duels and battles in an engagement, they give you a monetary system sort of sorts to deal with. And in LARP, they would call it status status wins and losses would be based on these engagements. However, in tabletop, you don't have that. Your status means something different. Your status represents who you are, where you are. I still call it status, but I make it a temporary, right? I make sure there's a temporary pool that I keep track of as a storyteller. I don't want to burden the harpy player, uh, if it's a player, with having to keep track of that. But I want to, so I know who's in favor and who is not. Often, it coincides with who the harpy is and what the harpy's about. And that's the point. So um, how does that look? Well, for instance, the Primogen Council has a status of four as a Primogen member. That's great. That means he has four temporary status. His various actions in Elysium are mitigated by the harpy, right? The harpy who witnesses it. The whole the harpy's hall of power is going to be an Elysium and a social engagement. The keeper is something else entirely. Now, how this works is the harpy hears a disparaging remark or a nasty rumor or is generating a rumor. If someone tries to contradict the harpy or what have you, but it's with good intel, meaning, you know, Miss Miss Madam Harpy, you know, what you're saying about the sheriff is true, but were you aware it wasn't the sheriff's fault? It was actually the Nosferatu so-and-so and the harpy might validate it and say interesting. And for a time that Nosferatu loses a temporary status because that's how the game's played. You can lose status, not even being on Elysium, which is why you should always be there because what's the big deal about being on a standing. Oh, well, it's simple enough. You're banned in any outer circle, right? It's that simple being a member of the Camarilla, but then the Prince doesn't, won't help you. The sheriff won't protect you. Uh, the harpy doesn't tell you where parties are. You're basically an outcast. 
you can't feed in the rack because you don't know who the rack is owned by now. You don't know what the territories of the rack are. Right. And when you do it, you're now getting penalized, staked, or worse, and they did it to you on purpose. Because you're, you're on the outs. Right, because you, you didn't have the strength of character to even engage in the first place, right? That's That's the key thing here those that opt not to do it not to engage in the in the the comings and goings and in, in the social mores of the camarilla those that avoid elysium they're only proving that they're incapable of handling it right so which i wish they could see your mannerisms whenever nate talks about this i may do it too and i don't even realize it it reminds me of the the head of the camarilla group in blade mm-hmm. you'll never be a pureblood frost <laughs> You know, you have you have it to you. It's just like no, right? Right? How dare you? Well, you know, they they talk about um, and you know, this is something again that the kind of like is a no duh moment for a lot of experienced people. But it, you know, those that that prove they are un- incapable of dealing with it and and avoid it are looked upon with less respect than those too dumb to realize it's happening, right? Because at least when you're on Elysium and you're a moron you can learn right and and right they would never call you a moron but then they would never call you anything because you're just not you're not worthy right you're there so you we know you're willing to engage but you're just too uninformed too inexperienced to participate right i come to elysium as an elder because i'm looking for someone that is my peer someone that's my equal that we can engage in this battle with. And if you just choose not to come, that's like, you know, I, I look at it like this. It's like walking out on your responsibilities, right? right. Just going, I, I don't care. I, I, it's too much for me. I can't handle it. Oh, well, you're more pathetic than I thought. And that's, and it's cold blooded. If that even angered you, that Nate said it, it did its job. Right. Because it's a society. It mimics wasp society. <laughs> right is what it mimics and it needs to we're old money right and we never have a care in the world but you do right and we found you worthy to receive an invitation so you can see your betters if you can act your part little neonate coming up in the world mayhaps you acquire some station of yourself and we may bring you open the doors and write you in the book Mm -hmm. however if you come here and don't play the part and never even show well, then we know there was no point in us ever extending the invitation. Right. And we never need to worry about you again. But where's that put you? Oh, in the gutter with the Anarchs. Right. That, that's where it puts you. <laughs> right. There's always Anarchs and you can go hang out with them because they don't have their own social interactions. And that's the, the beauty part of this game is that it, it can be a harsh mistress, this game. But if, if you're into it and you want to you, you wanna get good, the the politics game i think is a very important faction or a very important part of this game i don't know if faction is the right word but uh it's it's a huge and important aspect of this game and you can make of it what you will and this book gives you some ideas and some concepts that you can apply in your game and so i'm going to say um i i think we gave a letter grade to v5 that's not typical um, I think this, this book is old enough that it doesn't really need a letter grade. I think that this book, I would say if you're, if you're, um, new or novice to this game, this is definitely something you want to pick up. If you've never had the, uh, opportunity to experience a LARP for an extended period of time, 
this is definitely a worthwhile uh, pickup. But if you're, um, I mean, an advanced player could benefit from some of the 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 terms and some of the the optional rules. New but ideas I, for Elysium, right? But I would say it's not it's not an essential to your um, to your game. It's not you don't need it to run a game. I would agree, but I would add that there are a lot of books that we give an opinion on that you may disagree on. Yeah. And to that end, because of that, White Wolf offers a subscription. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, what is it, $1.99 or $2.99 or 20 a year? I think it's like $20 like a year. I, I haven't fully explored it. I've heard of it. It was one of the things that I heard about like right before Gen Con. And so I, I didn't get the opportunity to look into it. However, if it is what I think it is, it is something they're definitely getting my money for because uh, I'll need it for this fucking podcast. Yeah, it's 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 either out or it's coming. I remember seeing that. Look for it. Um, it's cool to wait for it. I mean, you've you've been went this long without it, but when it comes yeah. out, check it out. Yeah, you know, use it, do it. I know we're gonna do it because it's it saves quite a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me rephrase. I might not. I have the library, but the point is, right? If it yeah. includes new books too, then it might be worthwhile investment. Yeah, Bob's got the library. I do not. So I'm I'm sort of rebuilding mine one book at a time. Um, and I, I got me, uh, one of those, uh, blood nativities. <laughs> I got a copy of it at Gen Con. So <laughs> I was like, I couldn't pass it up. Um, but I mean, you can get this on PDF through drive through RPG for eight bucks. You can get, you know, PDF and soft cover for 20 bucks. So, I mean, it's not, you know, if you got 20 bucks and you want to spend it, this will definitely help you if you need help you know, with that aspect of your game. And if you're a new player, I think that this is uh this is a great addition to give you an idea of what those very important aspects, like you, you really, it's hard to run a, a, a vampire, the masquerade game without the social aspect of the game, without Elysium, without the S bot, without, you know, the, the rant, it's really fucking hard to, to portray a lot of the themes of this game without it. When I hear people say that they do run it without it, it sounds like a lot of stalling. You know, every game starts with your neonates. You're learning what a vampire is. But what do you do when you have to meet those elders or meet those primogen? Right. Or a convenient place to get to know what society you're in to earn favor or why there's even a rivalry. That requires a social place to go experience and to know just how deep the water is for your character. And I'm not saying any storyteller is wrong for not doing it that way, but at the same time, you're you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, yeah. So. And there's there's definitely a progression to it that you're missing, and this book will open up those doors. Yeah, definitely. I would certainly agree. So, all right. Well, that is the Succubus. I'm sorry. It's not even the Succubus. It's Succubus Club, Dead Man's Party. Not to be confused with the original. I think that this book's kind of like a sleeper. I, uh, you know, I didn't expect as much as I got out of it. And, uh, you know, for that, I say, you know, congrats. I, I like, I, yeah, I really just kind of like flew under my radar and I didn't really care much, you know? <laughs> it, right. Because like you said, you think you spent, I felt the same way too. I was like, I've, I got the succubus club. I get it. Right. Yeah. Go hell in a Troy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like, no, no, it's no, not, about, not about that. Yeah. So I, I think it was just a little bit, I don't know. I don't know if I would have called it this, but I think that might be the only misstep because I think a lot of people were like, you know, like we were, where they're like, we don't need to know more. Like we already wrapped that up in second ed, first ed. So I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, we will be back next week with our review of chaining the beast and, not only have we, 
we thoroughly read this book, <laughs> but, uh, uh, we, we did individual podcasts on every path that's listed in this book for our Patreon, uh, subscribers. So I think, um, you'll probably get some pretty solid information <laughs> out of the next one. Right. If you, if you ever wanted, um, any information about the paths now, you know, again, this is kind of revised. So s- some things are a little bit different in V20 and we don't really know how it's going to uh, iron out in V5. So it's not, it's not a conversation on that, but, um, you know, we've, we've already done like a thorough deep investigation into this book. And so we have a lot of opinions about it. So I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you think differently, this might be a bit of a long podcast because I think the paths need to be addressed individually because while this is a, a sort of a, an all encompassing book about the different paths, some of them are presented really good, I think. And some of them are presented really poorly. And I think what we're going to be reviewing is really kind of how the paths are presented. I, I, I'm going to let that die. I agree. <laughs> Cause there is a, there's next week where I know we will need those minutes. Yeah. Right. I right. agree with you though. I do agree. All righty. Well, Hey, thank you guys for listening and uh, we will be back next week until then. I am Nathan and I'm Bob. And we'll talk to you later. Hey folks, this is Nathan from 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you enjoyed the podcast you just listened to, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, video, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter at 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook under our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thank you again for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.